And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hope you guys had a fantastic, relaxing weekend. Uh, great show today. Uh, outstanding show today. I think you guys will really like it. I was joined by my good friend Greg Price from The Daily Caller. It's always a good time talking to Greg. We talked about the fall of the Lincoln Project. Uh, we talked about Joe Biden's continued disastrous policies and executive orders. Uh, we talked about all the goings-on on, on Wall Street, between uh, Reddit and Wall Street. Uh, it was real news of the week. Uh, a lot to get to today. Uh, I think you guys will like it. Before I get to Greg, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe uh, so you know when we upload new shows, which is, of course, every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And, guys, if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Greg Price. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, my friend, how you doing? Good, man. Good to be back on the pod with you. Absolutely, man. Anytime. So, as always, um, I say this every Monday. We have a ton to get to. Um, let's let's start here. Let's. I don't even know where to start on this on this podcast, Greg. How, how about this? You know who's the the absolute worst? The Lincoln Project. And I'm not just talking about pedophile John Weaver. Talking about all these guys, and for just to catch up anybody who missed it, John Weaver, the former John Kasich campaign manager, among other things, uh, was essentially forced out of public life in disgrace for allegedly sexually harassing 21 young men. Um, as, as our good friend Drew Holden put it, uh, this makes perfect sense if you realize that the founders of the Lincoln Project are horrible, horrible people, all of them. So uh, I, I can't say I'm surprised by this. No, and it really... If you want to know why the GOP base turned on the establishment in 2016 and voted for a billionaire from New York who was hated by all of those people who went up against them and won, it's because the Republican Party was taking advice from people like John Weaver for 20 years, <laughs> people like Steve Schmidt. And, and if you're wondering why John McCain didn't become president, I'm pretty sure it's because he was taking advice from people like John Weaver and people like Steve Schmidt and people like Reed Gowan. And like... Aside, like just aside from all the sexual harassment stuff, which is just horrible, like these are just people who spent their entire careers, you know, sending the GOP down the tubes and, you know, being responsible for all the terrible policies that led to our country voting for Donald Trump in the first place and then decided to complain about it when they when the when their own base shut them out. And that's basically who the Lincoln Project is. And on top of that, on top of spending their careers pulling dirty political tricks Oof. And being scummy people, on top of that, one of them was grooming fourteen-year-olds for sex. Can't say I'm can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, man. For anybody that that doesn't know all these guys' background, you know, Steve Schmidt, John Weaver, Rick Wilson, George Conway, like all these guys, like their claim to fame was running campaigns for failed, like left-wing Republican presidential campaigns. Like they they ran the the Kasich campaign. Before that, they worked for John Huntsman. Uh, they ran John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign. It's like, I mean, 
their claim to fame was like trying to destroy the GOP from the inside out by promoting these like not even right of center. I mean, left of center Republicans like McCain and Kasich and these guys like these are not conservatives. They're not they are truly Republicans in name only. And dude, look, (laughs) this morning, uh, George Conway, who's another founding member of the Lincoln Project, he was on MSNBC this morning and it was hilarious. I mean, he tried to do the whole. John, you know, after the whole allegations came out against John Weaver, he said, oh, John Weaver, I, I don't even know that guy. <laughs> I barely even know him. I may have talked to him once back in the day. I mean, dude, look, like if you're stupid enough to believe that, then you deserve to be scammed out of your money by the Lincoln Project. I mean, I've talked to like, like my boss is a former, he worked in the Bush administration and he's like talked to us about this before. Like people, he, people like would always talk about John Weaver being creepy with people. Like I, and John Levine from the New York Post tweeted a, Atlantic article from 2004 that which said Carl Rove it said something along the lines of Carl Rove once accused John Weaver of making a pass at a at a boy at a at a Republican conference and the Atlantic played it as if it was like some just some smear from Carl Rove this is back in 2004 like based on like all the people I've talked to who have been around in Republican circles for a while they've all knew they all knew who John Weaver was but the people he was harassing were never were we're, we're always too afraid to go to the press about it because of, he was a powerful man in, in Republican circles. And we have to give a, we have to give a shout out to Ryan Gerdusky, who's a good friend yeah. and a great guy, because he did he put on his he's not normally a journalist, but he put on his journalist hat for this one, and he did some incredibly brave reporting for it. You know, these guys were these guys DM'd him after he he tweeted. Yeah. He just sent a random quote tweet from Stuart Stevens. He was like, "What if I?" He was like, "What if I start uh, coming forward with the people who've told me a certain Lincoln Project founder has been sexually harassing them?" And you know, he was the first person who broke it the, in, in the American Conservative magazine, which was, you know, good good for Gerdusky because you know, a lot of these other places like Axios and New York Times yeah. that eventually reported it, they they often don't want to credit conservative uh, reporting when it actually when it has a lot of impact. So. But good for Ryan because he was the first one who did this, and he deserves all the credit in the world because that was a really brave thing he did. Yeah, and and all credit in the world also to these guys that stepped up. I mean, um, obviously, it took a lot of courage to to go on the record with this stuff too. You know, I mean, I I know one of these guys personally who who was allegedly, uh, I say allegedly, I obviously believe him, but you know, harassed by by John Weaver. Um, it, it's just funny, man. They just won't let the grift go. I mean, look, the Lincoln Project just needs to pack it in. I mean, these guys are done. I mean, yeah. Like the the I mean, argument from George Conway, like I oh I didn't even know John Weaver. It's like, dude, come on. There's like five of these guys that worked hand in hand together building the Lincoln Project. They know each other well. I mean, like, look, man, Greg. Sorry, sorry to break it to you, man. Like, you know, for instance, if let's say your boy Logan Hall turns out to be a rapist. Like, I don't think, like, I don't think you're gonna be able to get away with like Logan. Ah, I don't even know that guy. Like, like I don't think, I don't think the Daily Caller would be like, yeah, Greg probably didn't know shit. It's fine. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, dude. That's like the oldest line in the book. Like, oh my goodness, just give it up, guys. Like, you lost. Take the L. Go away. Yeah, and I mean, the Lincoln Project has always been just a giant grift from these people who've failed at everything they've did to maintain their money and relevancy after they were rejected by the Republican Party in 2016. And the reason they've been so successful at it is because corporate liberal media, MSNBC and CNN, are based at love to promote, quote unquote, Republicans who speak out against Donald Trump. And MSNBC is basically turned over like 
their entire airtime to, to Steve Schmidt and, the, and Rick Wilson and all these other Lincoln Project founders. And that's the, like the reason is just they've been able to grift off of off of liberal audiences on MSNBC who and they because they just tell them what they've wanted to hear. That's why it's been such a success. But now that Trump isn't president anymore, they literally have no other reason to exist. <laughs> and they have to they have to maintain they're going to have to maintain the grift somehow. But it's I don't think it's going to work. No. And I mean, the Lincoln Project and, and other, you know, them specifically, but other never Trump Republican groups as well. I mean, th- their excuse for supporting Joe Biden in 2020 was based on two lies. And the first lie was that uh, that Joe Biden would govern like a moderate. And the second lie was that Joe Biden would be, you know, like the quote, quote unquote, adult in the room after the quote unquote chaos of the Trump administration or whatever. So how is that working out for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how is that? If you're if you're if you're saying you prefer Biden to Trump because he'll he'll govern like a moderate and he'll be the adult in the room. Shoot, man. I mean, how many days? We're a week and a half in. How is that working out for you? Well, my favorite is all these labor unions who oh. um, who, who endorsed him. And the fir- one of the first things he did when he got into office was cancel the Keystone XL pipeline, which cost cost a lot of their union members their jobs. 11,000. Like, 11,000 union jobs. And these people are acting like like I, we just we did. We just we wrote some stories. We wrote we wrote a couple stories on this with some very funny headlines. One of them was labor unions endorsed Joe Biden. Now their members are losing their jobs. And it's just like. This is he told us he was going to do this. This was never a secret about the kind of the things Joe Biden wants to do. And now they're acting all shocked when he's keeping his his campaign promises. And in terms of what you were saying about, uh, you know, people thinking that Joe Biden was going to govern like a moderate, like, OK, he's not going to cause any sort of transformative change that Bernie Sanders was talking about. But one of the first things he did also was sign an executive order that forced schools with federal funding to allow biological men to compete in women's sports. One of the other, and you know, he's, he's halted new, uh, leases on federal on new gas and oil leases on federal lands is one of the first things he did, even though he said he wasn't going to ban fracking. Um, he's, 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 and you know, he's, he's pushing forward policies that by any measure are not considered to be moderate even, and, and all of these like never Trump Republicans are they're going to end up in a pickle when, you know, Joe Biden continues on the streak that he's on. And, you know, they, they were the ones who heavily. And so you reap what you sow. No refunds. You guys wanted him to be president and you get which what you you get what you get. Yeah, man. I mean, there are no refunds in this game. I mean, you already have they already wheeled out uh, John Kerry uh, to tell energy workers that they should learn how to build solar panels. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like this is this is yeah. the adult in the room. This is the and John they, Kerry is the adult in the room. Come on. I mean, the, the fact that John Kerry and the fact that Susan Rice are back in the White House after the types of careers they've had. Susan Rice, who's like her claim to fame is uh, try a uh, regime change war in Libya that worked out well, trying and failing to get regime change war in Syria because that would have that would have been great. Blaming Benghazi on a YouTube video and being the architect of Spygate and the Russia hoax—that's this woman's claim to fame, and now she's back in the White House, which is just like absolutely absurd. And then you have John Kerry, who's like, whose claim to fame is talking about how climate change is a very serious threat, and then flying on private jets to foreign countries and staying in nice hotels and negotiating deals that strengthen Iran and kill American jobs. And these are the people Joe Biden has running policy in in his administration like susan rice is his senior domestic policy advisor and i didn't know she had 
any domestic policy experience besides spying on innocent Americans. Well, she doesn't have have any domestic policy experience. And it's like it's funny, man, like the, they the press is billing this administration as the adult in the room administration. It's like John Kerry is like one of the least impressive public figures I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like this is not an impressive man. I like I get it. He married a billionaire. Okay, so he's got a private jet and was able to basically buy himself into elected office and all that. I get he's not an impressive human being. Like this is not an adult in the room. And look, man, in a week and a half, Joe Biden has issued close to forty executive orders. I mean, compare that to four by Trump, five by Obama, zero by Bush, and one by Clinton uh, at at the, at this point in their presidencies. And and you mentioned the the transgendered sports executive order. It's like I mentioned this last week on the podcast. Some of these things are just insane insane policies like the you know and banning fracking on on public lands canceling the keystone xl pipeline this is just ridiculous communist environmentalist policy and some of it is just like with the the transgender stuff i think it's just just a a, a shot across our bow as conservatives i think it's like a shot at us saying oh no i'm not gonna govern like a moderate you know because like there's no uh like, nobody wants that, right? Like, nobody really wants men to compete against women in sports, like biological men compete against women in sports. Like, the, the women, the female athletes don't want this. Like, the parents don't want... Like, nobody wants this. It's just a shot at us. It's just like kicking sand in our face. So I feel like uh, some of these um, these executive orders, obviously, they're, they're targeting... They're trying to destroy the American economy, which sucks, but a lot of it is just targeting us. Like, they're trying to piss us off, get us worked up. You know what I mean? It's like bait. It's just bait. Like, there's no practical reason to do this. They're just trying to bait conservatives into freaking out. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I also think that, you know, the, Joe Biden is not someone I would consider to be part of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, even though even if his policies may mirror that. But I think they have this progressive base that they're terrified of. And, you know, I always like to joke about how Bernie bros are the most cucked human beings in the world because they basically <laughs> are. They basically are yeah. Bernie. They basically rigged the primary against Bernie in 2016, and then Bernie lost in 2020, and both times he felt he towed the party line. And so, like, I always like to joke about that, but at the same time, the progressive base in the Democratic Party control has a lot of control over what the agenda of the party is, because you know they're not they're 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 not exactly they don't exactly have a lot of control over the party, but they're crazy, and the and mainstream Democrats are terrified of them. So I think. I think, you know, playing to that base and as as you said, I think I think part of it is just, yeah, saying I'm not going to govern like a moderate, but also that they're just terrified of that progressive base. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that with because like, you know, I you know, all the all the crazy identity politics stuff that's not like popular with the majority as someone who's like worked campaigns before and has done like lots of internal polling. Like n- none of the crazy identity politics stuff is ever popular with like you're your, with the median voter. Right. Like none of this stuff makes sense. Like the only the only way to explain it is they're terrified of the crazy base. And the other way to explain like policies like, you know, like legal legalizing 20 million illegal immigrants, like that's not something that makes sense either. But it's because the other way to explain it is is it, is it is is it's what they want to maintain their power forever. And that's that basically the, the thinking of their of the Democratic Party is basically one of two things. It's either I want to play to my progressive base or I want to do something that will guarantee Democrats remain in power, which is why they're pushing for D.C. statehood, which will give them two more Democratic senators. It's why they're, they've pushed to remove the Electoral College so that New York and California can decide all of our elections. It's why they want to 
legalize 20 million illegal immigrants because that's 20 million new Democratic voters. That's why they want to do all these things. It's about power. It's about it's about that. And it's about playing to their crazy identity politics obsessed base. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And just the factor that the press won't cover it. And Joe Biden knows that. I mean, he's issued 40 executive orders, 40, 40. I mean, like a Republican would never do that one because it's not how Republicans try to govern, but also that they would be skewered. They'd be destroyed, annihilated by the press. And, you know, Joe Biden knows that the DNC controls the press. I mean, it's just the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. So the the, the press just won't cover it. Uh, I, another thing, and this is from a friend of the show, Jim Garrity, over at National Review this morning. Turns out the Biden administration, speaking of them being the adult in the room after the chaos of the, the horrible orange man, the Biden administration has lost 20 million vaccines. <laughs> just, just lost them. Oops. Where they go? No one knows. Okay, so some super adult in the room, some super responsible stuff here. Guys, you elected a man with Alzheimer's, okay? I mean, like, we warned you. There's no refunds. Joe Biden just lost 20 million vaccines. Amazing. Yeah, and my, my boss, Jeff Ingersoll, had a, he, had, he had a really good tweet this morning, and it was, he was talking about how, like, Biden said the other day after the, the entire campaign say, saying that he had a – Donald Trump did never had a plan for the pandemic, but he does. And then Joe Biden came out the other, you know, the other week and was like, there's nothing we can do to change the course of the pandemic. <laughs> and my boss, my boss just he – tweet, he tweets, I'm still a little shocked about how little hyperventilating there was when Biden, after running on changing the course of the pandemic, promptly admitted there was no changing the course of the pandemic. He was like – he goes, he was in it for not even two weeks and was like, yeah, about that, nah. And it's like, and I saw, I saw another, like Don Jr. when he was tweeting the other day about Wall Street, about how like Wall Street's out to get the, uh, out to get us, like based on all the Wall Street news that was breaking last week. I saw a really good tweet. I forget who it was from. It was from somebody who took that screenshot and he took a screenshot of uh, Janet Yellen having, having been given tons of money from. Uh, hedge funds on Wall Street, like uh, like what, what's Mel, like Melvin Capital, right. to speak for them. She, she tweeted the, those two screenshots and and was like, "What if the Trumps were the good guys all along?" And it's like, you know, I'm thinking they might he, they might he might be right on that. Yeah, I mean, there's also a uh, one of the executive order related. Uh, Joe Biden issued an executive order. I mean, there's no way to actually enforce this and it's never going to happen, but that uh, by, what is it, 2035, all cars have to be electric or some such nonsense. And then like an hour before he issued that executive order, Nancy Pelosi uh, bought almost a million and a half dollars worth of Tesla stock. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like your people are so corrupt. It's not, it's, I mean, all politicians are corrupt, but, you know, left, right and center. Don't get me wrong. I don't like any of these people, but it's like the Democrats are so brazen about their corruption because they know the press will never cover it that they truly it's like they're laughing at us. They just they know they can get away with anything. And obviously, let's talk about what's going on right now on Wall Street, man. And I mean, it's, it's not something that you or I are, are experts on, but it's the major news of the week. Um, and watching this whole process, I, I mentioned it on last Wednesday's show, but watching this unfold has been both fascinating and terrifying, if we're being honest. I mean, the mobilization of government the press, and big tech, all of them, to defend the hedge funds and attack Reddit, <laughs> the Redditors who've been short-squeezing these stocks, has been wild. I mean, they have mobilized 
every apparatus of the establishment <laughs> against these guys. I mean, it's just watching it happen with the speed in which they were able to mobilize these people has been fascinating and horrifying. I mean, yeah, my favorite was Leon Cooperman, the billionaire hedge fund guy who was on CNBC right after this mm -hmm. was happening. And he literally said on the air that this was bullshit. And this is like the same guy who was prosecuted for insider trading like <laughs> yeah. five years ago. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any money in the stock market. So like, it, from, so like as a neutral observer, it's been fascinating to watch, but I understand if you're like, if you're just a normal average investor watching this happen, you're a little who, who like, I mean, I guess if you have your retirement in the stock market, it's really, it's probably a little unsettling watch, watching all these people short squeeze. But at the same time, it's, it's hilarious because a bunch of dudes on Reddit almost bankrupted Melvin Capital. Yeah. Like, even if you have money, even if you're, you do rely on the stock market for a good for, for your portfolio, that's just just that fact alone is just hysterical. Oh, and yeah. It's like, and I love all the, all the people complaining about it are complaining about precisely all of the things that they've been doing for years. All the Wall Street hedge fund bros are complaining about market manipulation. These are the same people who basically been manipulating markets for years. Yeah, they've been doing it for years and they're basically responsible for the economy tanking in 2008. Yeah. As they got bonuses as people lost their their entire, you know, 401ks and IRAs, they lost all of their retirements as well. These Wall Street guys were getting rich. And then on top of that, they got a bailout with taxpayer money. And they, so they've been doing this crap for years. They've like, and now they're complaining when all of a sudden their same tactics are being used against them. Like I saw a really funny meme where it was like Wall Street bros complaining about the, the Reddit for manipulating the markets. And it was, it was Snape from Harry Potter going, you dare use my own spells against me, Potter. <laughs> yeah, man. And like, it's the thing is when you, when these hedge funds, when they short stocks, I mean, I, I'm not saying shorting stocks is inherently immoral or anything. It's not, but I mean, they've shorted stocks to zero time and time again. I mean, they like, they were probably going to bankrupt GameStop. I mean, they were probably going to, it was GameStop. I think it was like 140% of their stocks were being shorted. Okay. Like there's a, legit possibility that these hedge funds were going to short GameStop out of existence. And that's a real company that employs real people. Okay. You take GameStop stock to zero. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many people GameStop employs, you know, 10, 20,000 people. There's a real people with jobs that if they took that stock to zero, they would actually be out on the streets. They would be homeless. Okay. So it's like, I don't understand how the hedge funds can do that, but some donks on Reddit can't, can't play the same, same game. But like, the collusion between these guys has been has been what's been fascinating to me. I mean, Facebook banning any pages talking about trading GameStop and AMC and Dogecoin and all of what the, these guys on Reddit were talking about. Robinhood and other brokerage apps were allegedly stopping you know stopping the well we know not allegedly they were stopping the the trade of these stocks and in some cases on Robinhood specifically they were allegedly selling people's positions in these specific stocks against their will. Okay, people are tweeting these like messages from Robinhood saying, "Oh, for your own best interest, we sold your shares of, of AMC or GameStop." It's like, I, I don't want to be conspiratorial. I don't want to get too far out on a limb here, but that's so blatantly illegal. I mean, that is so blatantly evil and illegal that my libertarian brain, who doesn't like the government, immediately jumped immediately to, I can't picture Robinhood doing that forcibly selling people's positions in certain stocks against their will unless they had some kind of assurance from the DOJ, from Biden's DOJ, that they wouldn't be destroyed for it. You know what I mean? Because it's so blatantly illegal. It's like, I, I just, I don't know a, a major company like Robinhood 
having the audacity to do something like that unless they had assurances from the feds that it wasn't going to come back to bite them. I mean, is that am I going too far here? I don't think it's out of the I wouldn't, you know, I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. I think that's certainly something that could or and on the flip side, they could also have gotten a call from their hedge fund buddies right, right. complaining about it and asking them to do something about it. But no, it wouldn't shock me at all. And I think there's a there's a good lesson here for the right, which is that which is that of course we as conservatives, we believe government should be limited as much as possible. But because a government with too much condensed power has the ability to has the ability, you know, to uh, infringe on our rights. But I think the lesson here for the right is that there are other forces in society that can infringe on our rights too right. if they become too big. And Wall Street's one of them. And I think it's I think for going forward, I think if the right that's not necessarily being anti Wall Street because a lot of people have, you know, money in the stock market and they it, it helps them out a lot. But just being being against all of the cronyism that occurs like not not just being an absolutist when it comes to this stuff, like being against all the cronyism and all of the corruption and all of the you know how all these you know big hedge funds rig the system against against Main Street. I think the lesson here for the right is that's a popular position to take with the average voter in America, and so I, I, so I think it's been very fascinating to watch. Like the news is rarely ever like as someone who works in the news all the time, and you know is head and ass deep in this stuff every day. The news is like rarely fun to cover, but covering that last week, that whole thing last week, it was a ton of fun. Oh, it was yeah. a ton of fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was glued to it, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime we're seeing something happen in real time that's never happened before, obviously it's going to pique my interest. But it's like, I, 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 that's important to mention what, what you just said, too. I'm going to reinforce that, that it's not even like this isn't the message that we should be promoting now. It's not this like left wing Occupy Wall Street, like anti Wall Street message. It's not even that. It's it's even simpler than that. It's that everybody should be playing by the same rules. <laughs> That's it. It's not that I'm anti Wall Street. It's that I want to be able to play by the same rules that Wall Street plays by every day, um, and they'll, that'll bring about some some accountability there, some checks and balances. And the elites, they hate nothing more than being told that everybody should play by the same set of rules. The elites, and whether that's, and like you mentioned, it's not just government that infringes on our rights. It's it's other people as well, whether that's Wall Street or big tech. And whether you're talking about the government, whether you're talking about big tech, whether you're talking about Wall Street, any of these elites, they hate it. They cannot handle being told that we should all play by the same set of rules. They cannot handle it. Yeah, I mean, and it, last week was a great indication of that, is the fact that they were literally melting down and demanding that. and that the subreddit be just straight up deleted because <laughs> they got beaten at their own yeah. game. It was, it was hysterical. It was so, it was so funny. Like these people got a taste of their own medicine. Like literally one time that I can ever remember one time, one, one time I could ever remember that, you know, the little, the quote unquote little guy stuck it to the, stuck it to wall street. The literally one time that happened after wall street, after hedge, after wall street's been rigging the game for years, the one time they get a taste of their own medicine, they demand the whole thing just be shut down. It's amazing. I mean, imagine like just it's, it's like it's like it's like you're playing baseball with your friends and you're pitching and your friend just knocks a grand slam off you so you just take the ball and go home. Yeah, after you pit yeah, it's like that, but at, you yeah, had after, just you just thrown like 25 perfect games in a row. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like you've exactly. had nothing but success this whole time. Anytime you've ever lost a game, the taxpayer came in and reversed the <laughs> outcome of the game and just handed you a win, and then you finally lose once. You give up one grand slam, and you want to change the rules. It, it's amazing. Yeah. 
And look, like one positive out of all of this, and this is my libertarian side coming out, but I like it when people call BS on our institutions. I mean, the government and the bureau, the governmental bureaucracies are rigged against us, and I love that Trump shined a light on that for four years. The press is all rigged against us. I love that Trump and others, you know, have have shined a light on that for the last four years. And Wall Street has always been rigged against the little guy. And I like that these freaking incels on Reddit. <laughs> I love that they're shining a light on that. I honestly, I think that's a net positive. And like a lot of establishment Republicans, even friends of ours, you know, they they. They hated that Trump, like the, the, to a lot of people, the worst thing about Trump, and I'm sorry to bring this back to Trump, but he's just a great example when you're talking about these things. It's like the, the thing that a lot of people hated the most about Trump is that he like, quote unquote, delegitimized the presidency to a lot of people. They looked at Trump and saw like a clown. You know what I mean? If you were a Democrat the last four, four years, you're probably like, man, forget this. Like, you know, the, the, our president's a clown. And I'm like, I'm sitting over here like the libertarian. I'm like, yes, yes, they're all clowns. <laughs> yes, yes. The president should not be this powerful. They're all a bunch of morons. Like, nobody is smart enough to have that amount of power. And it, it, it's, it's kind of how I feel about this. Like, I, I view it as a net positive that people are looking at Wall Street and just calling BS for the first time. Like, saying, these people are no smarter than me. They're no better than me. You know, just because they're rich or just because they're privileged, just because they've been bailed out by the taxpayers, they're no better than I am. I can do this just as, just as good as they can. And I think that's the the message that we should be promoting as conservatives, right? Like, call BS. Like, our institutions are corrupt. Our institutions are rigged against us, whether it's politically, meaning rigged against conservatives, whether it's big tech being rigged against conservatives. I I like it. Let's call BS. I, I, I hope more people kind of realize that these institutions are far more powerful than they should be, and, and more people should be calling BS right now. Yeah, and I, I've been going on your show for years at this point, so, like, you know that I used to be, like, more of kind of, like, the establishment type of... Right. I used to have that type of mindset to me. Um, but, no, you're right. Like, that's something I've learned just by working in the real world for a couple of years at this point and understanding that, you know, there, there are all these forces in society that don't have our best interests in mind, and one of them is... Big corporations, big tech, Wall Street, you know, the deep state, which is a real thing. All of these things are are things that that do not have not just conservatives, but the American people's best interest in mind. And I think I think, you know, the conservative I think conservatives, I think Republicans need to be you're you're right. They need to be more forceful in calling all of the and calling BS on all of those institutions. Because it's not really it's not so much a liberal or conservative thing. No, not it's at all. It's the fact that they just don't have the average person's best interests in mind, especially when it comes to like if we're going to talk about, you know, the you know, the intelligence community and the military industrial complex. These are people who believe like that it's acceptable to spy on anybody they want to and that we have to fight wars in the Middle East forever. And like when it comes to Wall Street, as you said, there are people who think that they can just spend years, you know, getting rich as other as just manipulating the system in order to get rich and not and be able to get away with it. They, you know, and when it comes to big tech, they they have because they have so much control over the flow of information in our society. They think that they should be able to force their world, their preferred worldview on the Amer on the American people. And I think Republicans need to get better at calling BS on all of that. As you said, they need to. It's something they're not very good at. It's something they need to get better. It's something they need to improve on. I think oh, there's, yeah. I think there's people who are good at it. I think like somebody like Congressman Ken Buck, is like he's somebody who's really good at it. There's there like they're, it's not all Republicans, but I think it's just something. If I'm a Republican strategist, which I'm not, I'm just a I'm a so I'm just a social media bro. But 
if, if I'm a Republican strategist, that that's my advice is to get better at calling out all of those forces in society that don't have not just conservatives' best interests in mind, but the American people as a whole. Yeah, and I also think, just a side note, that Republicans need to go on the offensive when it comes to free markets. I mean, I think a lot of people that were still holding on to this myth that we live in a capitalist society. <laughs> so you can't really make that argument after this week, man. I mean, we we are living in some kind of conglomerate of capitalism, you know, corporatism, cronyism, whatever you want to call it, and socialism, right? Like we're living in this like Frankenstein's monster version of all three of those things. Um, so we need to really take take it on the offensive. We need to open up these markets, you know, make it so we're actually living in a free market system. But it's funny, man, that uh, you mentioned, just a side note for the audience, <laughs> that you've evolved on a lot of these issues over the years. And uh, yeah. Yeah, you have been uh, coming on the show for a long time. I remember, like, I remember texting you years ago, multiple years ago, after, like, your first anti-war tweet. <laughs> I think I, like, screenshotted it and texted it to you. I'm like, my man. You're like, it was time. It was time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I re- yeah. Had that. Yeah, that was a view that I regret to this. That I, <laughs> those views were not not good ones. As we I all mentioned. have them, man. We all yeah. have evolved. Man, I've I've been moved 180 degrees on very important issues over the years. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's just a sign of being an adult. Yeah, you, I mean, something I tell like well, one of the things I re- like I like a lot of people who like are quote unquote campus conservatives. Like they're nice, they're not bad people by any means, but I think they fall into this mindset where the world only works as they read about it in like their t- in their textbook or whatever, or as they read about it in whatever like book they got at some conservative conference. And something I and like that used to be me. Like I used to have like that kind of view of the world and that view of you know what conservatism is. And then like I start you know you start working and you learn that you know politics is not about like it's not about what you read. It's about people. It's about like, it's about what understanding the struggles of what people are going through and what types of, you know, policies can fix that. Like, it's not, it's not like they have such a, like, I'm not, and like, I can't really talk cause that used to be me, but they have such a stringent view of the world. And like, I learned quickly that you can't have that when you, when you're actually working in, you know, in, in the, in the shit of it. Like, yeah, it's, there's a lot more nuance then, it's uh, things, yeah, like things are more things are more nuanced than they seem. And so another thing, just a, a side note with uh, like campus, you know, college Republicans, campus conservatives. I, I, I never went to college, and I turned thirty-two years old in a week. So like I, uh, you know, I, I just did not have that background. But it seems to me like uh, with a, a lot of issues with like the campus Republican crowd is that they're taught. It's it's all like. I don't want to. Disp- I'm not disparaging Ronald Reagan. I think he was a pretty good president. But it's like they they view politics as like Rog Ronald Reagan is like the gold standard. You know what I mean? It's all like kind of Reagan conservative based, which is fine. But the world looks a lot different than it did in the '80s. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like that's why a lot of uh, like the campus Republican guys like they uh, they're really big on Nikki Haley right now. It's yeah. Because like Nikki Haley, she kind of talks like Ronald Reagan. She quotes Ronald Reagan all the time, and it's like I. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> like she'll run for president. I guarantee she drops out before New Hampshire. I just, you know what I mean? I don't think there's like this Nikki Haley constituency in the Republican party. Like I, you know, I know that our, the college guys really like her, but it's like, I don't know. So it's more so it's like they've been taught things that aren't necessarily as relevant as they used to be, if that makes sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I don't hate Nikki Haley. I think she's, no, 
she's good. She's smart. She's like good at what she does. But you're right. I don't like if you put her in a primary after what we just went through in 2016. I think I think just it would go about the way of Jeb Bush, and that's not that's not like a knock on Nikki Haley. That's just like I don't think there's there's a there's a base in the Republican Party that's that would get so behind Nikki Haley besides like people in their college Republicans meetings. Yeah, and I I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but I haven't talked to you on the podcast for a while. What what do you think in like on your way way too early predictions for like who's gonna step up and lead the Republican Party moving forward? Because like what what candidates are you looking at? Because like from where I where I'm sitting. Like, it's basically four parties. There's four factions. And everything, you know, we, we like to pretend like we're in this two-party system and it's not like a, a par, you know, like a UK, like parliamentary coalition building system, but it's always about building coalitions. It's just that we have two powerful parties that are built up, you know, that are made up of, you know, smaller coalitions. And there's like the establishment wing, there's the populist wing, there's the libertarian wing, and then there's like the, like, aggressively Trump, wing or something you know you know whatever you'd want to call it so it's like for me the only candidates that i would get behind moving forward like if we're looking at 2024 like there's a couple major criteria that they have to meet like one they'd have to be good on on the covid stuff like if there was like a republican governor that locked down their state yes that includes greg abbott they're out like, you're dead to me, bro. Like, no way. You know what I mean? Like, I could see somebody like a Christy Nome or a Ron DeSantis, like one of these governors that, like, refuse to shut their states down, something like that. Like, somebody like that, I think, could be, like, the leader of the party moving forward. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's too early. Like, Oh, of course. And, okay. like, I, I hate – one of the things I really hate doing is predicting elections because, as I learned in 2016, I'm not very good at it. Oh, gosh, but, I know. But, yeah, you're right. I think, like, somebody that can speak to – like multiple of those factions is going to be the one that wins. And I think somebody like a DeSantis is someone who's right now in a very good position to do that. Because as you said, he stood up against like this just ridiculous and unrelenting negative media coverage about the fact that he kept his state open and refused to shut it back down again. And, you know, he, he took a lot of heat for that and he showed a lot of courage in standing up to, you know, all the negative coverage of that. So I think, I think you're right. I think someone like him and someone like uh, Christy Nome are would be in a good position because they showed a lot of courage in that. Whereas somebody like Greg Abbott, who's probably going to run too, would not be. But I think you know we'll see. I think nobody in twenty like it's we have four year we got th- three and a half years to go until that thing will start. And what person in 2012 thought Donald Trump would end up being the nominee in 2016? Oh gosh, yeah, no, but yeah, I don't think of I don't know if I've successfully predicted anything electorally on this podcast. I think I'm like wrong every time I predict something. So, but at least I'll, I'll take my L's, man. Like, I will admit that I was wrong and let the audience make fun of me when I am wrong. But like, I th- also think, like, moving forward in the Republican Party, there's got to be some, like... I'm not saying we need this these, like, purity tests or anything like that, but there's some policies that just need to go by the wayside. You know? Like, I, I like... I love that Rand Paul, anytime he's in, like, a confirmation hearing for, like, a State Department or Defense Department candidate or anything, he'll just, like ask simple questions. He'll be like, sir, do you believe that the war in Iraq was a mistake? Yes or no? Okay. You know what I mean? Like, and if somebody says, no, the war in Iraq was great, just get out. Yeah. Like you don't belong in the Republican party anymore. Like we just don't have time for that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's not unfair for us to have like some basic purity tests. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the Democrats do. Like if you're not like a hundred percent pro union and all this, they'll just kick you to the curb. You know what I mean? If you're not pro 
you know, raising taxes and all that, you're gone. If you're not you know, emphatically pro-abortion, you're out of the party. You know, like, why don't we, why can't we have a couple of those on some common sense issues? Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be, we got to get through, we got to get through <laughs> the next two years first in order to, in order to get there. Or maybe uh, the next president will be, uh, you know, Big Dick 6969 from Reddit after he made $50 billion off the hedge funds and then. Hey, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase. I'll paraphrase a, a William Buckley quote. I would rather be governed by the first twenty people on the Wall Street Bets subreddit. <laughs> yes. the, entire, the entire staff at at, at Harvard Law. <laughs> that is the perfect adaptation of the famous Bill Buckley quote. Thank you for bringing that up, <laughs> Greg. Dude, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure I'll have you back on soon. Where can everybody uh, follow you online and keep in touch? And where can everybody support the Daily Caller? You guys are doing the Lord's work over there. Yeah, the day, especially now in the Biden administration, the work we're doing is gonna, as we get you know further into the into the shit, it's gonna become more important because, you know, I think I, I love YAF and I love all these other young conservative organizations, but f- conservative media is something right now that matters a whole lot more because, 100%. you know, their 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 entire corporate you know corporate media, all these they, they have a in big tech have a ground have such a profound way of shaping the narrative in this country. And especially now when you have the fact that they're not going to challenge the Biden administration as hard as we can, being a part of conservative media and joining up and subscribing, it's it's more important than ever. So become a Daily Caller patriot for, I believe it's $9.99 a month. It's not that expensive. You get all of our paywalled content that normal people don't get to see. That's, you know, it's it's great. We, we produce great content every day. We're doing incredible reporting every single day. And it's, it's going to become more important than ever. Everybody check out The Daily Caller. Uh, Everybody follow Greg. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.